Hello and welcome to the Bike Radar podcast, brought to you from the team behind Cycling Plus, MBUK and BikeRadar.com. Hello there, welcome to the Bike Radar podcast. I'm Tom Marvin, technical editor here at Bike Radar on the mountain bike side of things. Uh, and joining me today, we've got two erstwhile <laughs> Bike Radar staffers. We've got our deputy editor, it's Jack Luke. How are you getting on, Jack? I'm very well, thank you, Tom. Excellent. Uh, and we have Sam Chalice. He's our relatively new road tech ed. How's it going, Sam? Hi, Tom. Yeah, I'm very well, thank you. Good, 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 good. Now, this podcast is going out just after Christmas, so I hope everyone's had a lovely one. Have you guys been feeling nice and festive in the, the weeks running up to our Christmas break? Yes, I've only exclusively eaten mince pies for a full month now. Delicious. Mm, lovely. I've got my Christmas tree. Christmas tree's up in the in the living room. Nice. Children going mental. Yeah, they're, they, like, they're trying to drive things into it. The baubles. You can't put baubles like, lower than a couple of foot, <laughs> otherwise they will get removed. And we did that thing where it's like it's bigger than we, you know, we see it, we see it there. Mm. It's like that's fine, and then then we bring it back. Oh, it's taking up half a living room. Nightmare. But that's fine. It's this Christmas spirit. I have a, a Christmas tree in my house for the first time in seven years, um, and I have my nephew coming over. He's six years old, coming for a pre-Christmas Christmas day. And I was looking when I was a kid. You used to hang chocolates on the tree, right? Mm-hmm. I've looked everywhere for chocolates to hang on the tree in the sort of like because i want to pretend it's for alex you know it's for him it's for for me actually i I really want a little bit of chocolate every day because no one bought me an advent calendar can you believe it i I spent 40 quid on my missus's advent calendar did Did she she get me one did she hell what what's a 40 pound advent calendar buy you Uh, from like a a snoot like a very nice chocolatier in bristol called zara's chocolates on north street large chocolates you can google it excellent chocolate i genuinely like well good chocolate which oh, yeah. sends out really nice little handmade advent calendars that you peg up they're like they're quite big you, you pe- it's on like string and pegs we're what are we talking about the year, of the year. <laughs> year of the year my advent calendar of the year is one from Sarah's <laughs> chocolates in bristol um so yeah we're looking back on some of the best bits of gear um that we at bike radar have seen over the past 12 months Obviously, this ties in with the Bike Radar article as well. Um, and there might even be a video on our excellent YouTube channel too. Um, there's three of us here today. We're going to talk about our selections, but we're also going to have little Vox Pops um, from other members of the Bike Radar, MBUK and Cycling Plus team to drop in and about just for added context and interest. There we go. So we'll start off. Let's start with uh, with Jack. Well, my tasty uh, tech pick of the year. Well, there's only one thing in my list, so... Keep it to one. All right, oh well. Uh, my tasty tech pick for this past year was the specialised S-Works Roman Evo with mirror saddle. It's an extraordinarily expensive saddle coming in at $450 or £390, which is offensively expensive. Mm. Uh, and to be absolutely clear, I would never ever spend that much money on a saddle for myself. However, like many saddles of its ilk, it uses a 3D printed upper, which Specialized claims allows it to tailor fit through 22,000 individual struts to improve comfort. Now, my favorite saddle of all time was the Pro Stealth Superlight, Pro being the kind of sub-brand of Shimano, and I just really, really get on with that shape of that saddle. However, I'm almost frustrated to say that the new Specialized saddle has somewhat pushed it out, possibly, as my oh. favorite ever. Um, kind of in a more upright position, the difference in comfort isn't that noticeable but in a more aggressive position it is like genuinely remarkable really genuinely that kind of blew my mind i'd say i'm frustrated by how much i like it and for me like while that is impressive what's more interesting is i think it proves that 3d printing technology 
can offer genuine benefits over conventional construction techniques. And I think it will become more accessible and affordable in years to come. And I just think that's quite an interesting talking point for tech in the future, where I don't think it's unreasonable to imagine we could be all riding on saddles like this quite soon. I, I don't see a problem with it, apart from the price. Obviously, it needs to come down. But I just want to cover on it, though. Yeah. Like, I th- feel like I've got, like, tryptophobia with it. Mm-hmm. It makes me uncomfortable. And also, I can't shake the feeling that if you get it muddy, you're going to be using a toothpick to poke out little balls of mud. Is that happened to you? No, I mean, I have ridden this bike a lot, though the bike is fitted rather to, um, in pretty grimy conditions. And it doesn't stay any dirtier than a normal saddle. I mean, okay. it has got a fully solid shell beneath and there's no sort of um, like drain hole in the bottom, if you will. So there's no opportunity really for mud to get in there. But I do agree. It kind of feels like they've decided to make it this horrible spider's web design. Mm. So people know, oh, by the way, I'm riding a 3D printed saddle, mm. if you hadn't noticed. And that to me just feels like pointless. Having a cover on, I can't possibly see how it would be detrimental. I have two questions, Jack. One, who else makes 3D printed saddles? Is there any more? Physique, physique. off the top of my head. And, oh, there must be others. There's I don't be know others. if I only think of physique. My, yeah. other, my other question was, we, we've just done, well, myself and Sam recorded our 2022 trends, mm. uh, or 2022 trends video earlier on. You missed that. Um, but we did have a box pop from yourself, or we will have because you've got to record one. Please. Yeah, I will do after <laughs> this. We recorded this one. <laughs> um, do you think in our sort of 2025 trends piece, we're going to see 3D printed saddles down at sort of achievable price points and for any of the bits of a bike that you think could be... 3D printed. Yes. I mean, just yes. I think the technology even five, ten years ago was something incredibly niche that next to nobody was doing. Um, but in recent years, we've seen uh, 3D printed titanium sort of semi take off as a viable option. And really, it's it's that kind of lattice structure you see here that uh, gives the opportunity to, well, in the case of saddles, um, adjust fit and comfort throughout the body of the saddle but when you look at more solid components you can build very very efficient structures that are very strong very stiff and very very lightweight and that's kind of like the holy trinity of what Mm. bike designers want with most components so yes basically is the answer to that question i I think it will become more affordable easier to design with and more commonplace in general but hopefully cheaper as well (laughs) Well, I think you, with the number of words you've just talked about, you have justified the three hundred and ninety pounds. <laughs> no, of 3D never. You would saddle. never. <laughs> it is a fantastic it's, saddle, and it is stupendously comfortable. But it is not three hundred and ninety pounds comfortable. Nothing can ever be that good for a saddle, in my opinion. Well, I was going to stick with um, road bike stuff, but I think having just talked about something equal, uh, very expensive, we can talk about something equally very expensive <laughs> via the medium of a Rob Weaver Vox Pop. When it comes to 2021's gear of the year for me, I've got to say it has to be the new RockShox flight attendant. Simply because, uh, personally, I'm not one to use loads of electronics and other bits and pieces that could potentially interrupt my ride time. And I must admit, when uh, I came to actually testing it and riding it for the first time, I was a little apprehensive, thinking that I'd need an app and to sync this, that, the other before I could even start turning the pedals. But in reality, once you set it up, which is actually a really straightforward process, the wireless units on the fork and shock and the pedal sensor all work really well together and make for a 
fairly seamless operation in terms of what it's meant to do, which is control the compression damping in your fork and shock. And out on the trail, it does make things much more efficient, which is why, um, yeah, I really enjoy riding with it. It's obviously um, very expensive in the fact that it only comes on top-end bikes, which means that it isn't exactly available to the masses. But it's an interesting bit of kit, and it's going to be really cool to see where it goes uh, in the future, especially if RockShox can actually integrate their ShockWiz system. Uh, that will mean, hopefully, then that you'll have something that will be able to give you what the setting should be rather than just, you know, set it up like you would normally. So when your uh, flight attendant system is toggling between the settings, you know that each one of those settings is as good as it can be for you. So that was uh, SRAM's flight attendant that Rob talked about. Um, wireless electronics, super incredibly clever suspension. Um, we won't dwell on this too much, but you two boys like a bit of gravel riding. Mm -hmm. Do you think something akin to flight attendant might ever see its way onto a gravel bike, a suspended gravel bike? This, again, could be a 2025 trends mm. piece. I'll save this for, for 2024's <laughs> Christmas podcast. I mean, it's not unrealistic, but you you know me. We've discussed this already, Tom, that I just don't see... You're a purist. Yeah, we don't, we don't need to see it, do we? Oh, I agree, yeah. I, I just say, like... I, Gravel suspension is a very cool avenue for new tech, and I think it could give benefits, but it's just massively overcomplicating something which should be much more simple, in my opinion. What you need is a really nice leaf-sprung suspension system. <laughs> like, like what, Tom? <laughs> oh, I don't know. Maybe like a, a Lauf grip. Brought <laughs> <laughs> to you by my sponsors, Lauf. No. <laughs> what do you, what do you think, Sam? Suspension and gravel bikes in general, kind of flight attendant aside, does it tickle your pickle? No, it's really not for me. I like just uh, for the for the riding I do and the way I want to ride. It's not necessary. Doesn't add anything. It, it takes away more than it adds mm. to me. I like something essentially a cross bike with a little more clearance. It doesn't. I don't need any more than that. Fair enough. You can find out more in the next bike rider podcast where Sam talks about his gravel needs because we cover gravel bikes in our twenty twenty two trends podcast out in about a week's time. There we go. There we go. Nice segue. Thanks, Sam. No um, let's move on. So uh, let's hear from Warren. He's our senior road technical editor, and he's got a couple of items that he really liked in 2021. Hi, I'm Warren. I'm a senior technical editor for all things road here at Bike Radar. And here's my pick of the year for gravel. Um, I've got a couple of favorites for gravel. First up, it's Fumper's Mini Compressor. Whenever I head out on a gravel bike, my seat pack, bar bag, or hip pack, no matter where I'm riding, always contains the essentials. Some sealant, an inner tube, tough tire levers, cheapest plugs, multi-toil, but the single most vital thing is this Fumper pump. It's a pocket-sized air compressor, and it isn't cheap. It's £139, but it's got me out of so many jams, be that whether I've split a tire or burped a tire off a rim, and you know where a hand pump just simply won't reseat. Um, the, the Fumper just makes short work of that and it's proved, proven worth every penny. Um, my second, um, it's Pro's Discover Gravel, gravel Dropper Post. Um, it's got a really smart two-way lever, which can be operated easily from the hoods or the drops, and the ability to drop the saddle all the way down, well, 70 mil down, when you're descending steep off-road sections, and also being able to drop the saddle down low when descending quickly on the road, which makes you that little bit more aero, is really fun too. When I got the Pro, there was really very little choice out there over 
But over the last year or so, we've seen FSA launch a gravel-specific post, the crank rivers have followed closely behind, and now RockShox have even got a wireless electronic dropper as part of the Explore range. Maybe what a lot of people called the odd choice has now actually become a thing. Personally, to say, it's something I really like to have on tap and miss it when I'm testing gravel bikes really quite well, way off-road that don't come equipped with a dropper. Uh, Jack, have you used uh, an electronic pump very quickly before we... Uh... Move on to Robin and then Sam with their selections. No, I haven't. I have one on my desk that came from some oh. random brand that I didn't ask for. And I kind of keep looking. In fact, funny story on that. It arrived with a um, a small novelty beach ball to uh, go, with the, <laughs> go with this pump that I hadn't asked for. And I spent a couple of minutes blowing it up myself. And then I realised... <laughs> Oh, that's why they included it, because it's a pump. I should have used that. <laughs> anyway, no, I've never used one. I I would quite like one for home, but would I go for a wee electric pump rather than a compressor? Probably I've, not, like a big, massive... I mean, I've, I, Warren's talked about that food pump quite a lot, and he puts it in his pocket and he takes it on a ride. That I'm sorry, Warren, but that strikes me as mad. <laughs> yeah, just take a mini pump. I'm CO2 canister. Probably yeah, less or a CO2 quid. if you want, but like, well, a big blocky, massive thing in my jersey pocket. Be worried about breaking my back if mm. it fell off. Mm. Yeah, okay, that's fair. I think sorry, that's fair. it was. No, no, no. All right, let's hear from Robin. She's uh, a videographer with the video team. Uh, she's big into her graveling. She's done some big old gravel rides this year, actually, hasn't she? She's a real smasher. She's a, a dark horse. Doesn't post on Instagram or Strava about either of them, which mm. frankly means it's pointless in my eyes. Hey, I'm Robin. I'm one of the videographers for Bike Radar. So my gear of the year for 2021 is the Apogee Backcountry Bikepacking Bags. So these bags don't look particularly flashy or exciting, but I've used them almost every single time headed out on a bike this year. And they've sort of seamlessly integrated themselves into my cycling consciousness without really any effort, which kind of shows how useful they are. Um, there are lots of great things I like about the bags. First is just how well they work. Even after loads of miles and a lot of use, the fabric is as waterproof and durable as they are when they were new. They are easy to swap between bags too with straightforward fastenings and no fiddly zips. A special shout out goes to the seat bag, which I usually forget is there because it's really efficient and it fits the bike really well. And there's none of that really annoying sway that other seat bags have given you. Um, they look really great in a sort of unassuming grey, which manages to look smart and also soak up the dust of the trail. I got them in May and they've seen themselves around Central England, Wales, Devon and Cornwall, as well as countless times around the gravel back roads of Bristol for social rides. I really like them, so I'm planning to use them well into next year as well. So she's obviously um, kitted out her bike uh, in the bags. Now, I know I've joked about this already, Sam. You're a purist when it comes to gravel. I'm also a purist when it comes to gravel. Uh, and the thought of strapping a million bags to my bike just fills me with dread. Oh, me too. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, can't, I, I can't be done with it. Mm. I did once put um, a saddlebag on a gravel ride when I was going out into the middle of the highlands on a long ride, which was projected to be very wet. And I thought, I'll take some waterproofs because safety... Um, but yeah, no, a little. I'm sure Robin doesn't. I'm not trying to throw shade on Robin, but a 30k gravel ride around Bristol doesn't need full bags on a gravel bike. <laughs> You're right. Just, They're just yeah. I can't can't get on board with them at all. Just scuff like, paintwork. They jingle jangle around the whole time. They're terrible. on aero. That I know. Oh, oh, a bar bag on an aero road bike. Oh yeah. Oh, well, who would have done that in a bike radar launch video? Never ever me. Not that on it. Such a woke move, mate. Terrible. <laughs> Shouldn't have done that. I did um, it on um, the Scott Addict launch and I got a lot of hate in the comments mm, for that. But quite my, rapidly, argument, quite my argument, how am I going to carry the GoPro stuff? I can't bring beautiful content to the Bike Radar audience otherwise. All right, we'll, we'll, um, we'll stop making fun of people who put big bags on their bikes. Uh, Sam, 
Sam, what was your selection of uh, 2021? Well, I've got both a road and gravel selection. Well, so yeah, which let's, do, let's do both. Let's go road and then we'll do gravel. Oh my gosh, but road quickly. first. Road first was the Aether Spherical Helmet. Okay. Um, because I think it's brilliant. It's very expensive, but I think if you find a good deal on one, all your budget could could stretch for you. You're just not going to be disappointed by it. Mm-hmm. It was the first helmet. I mean, it's the helmet to own. I think it's, re- it's a really popular helmet nowadays, uh, taking on from the synth. Uh, which was which was its predecessor. That was a very cool helmet too. And this one, this one builds on the synth by still looking very nice, but but including the spherical version of MIPS slip plane yep. liner safety mechanism. Easy to say. It sort of it it, it separates the shell. It, it takes MIPS from from becoming an additive component and integrating it into the shell. I'm sure you've seen it. So mm-hmm. so the so the helmet internal and external shell functions a bit like a ball and socket joint. I think it's still the best application of the concept, despite it being the first lid on the market to include it. Looks nice. It's pretty light. Keeps my curly head of hair cool beautiful curly head of hair mm, mm. um apart from yeah apart from the price it i don't really see a downside to it it's, it's a brilliant one it's the one i come back to when i'm not professionally obliged to wear another which i think speaks for a lot for those of us who aren't um fully uh knowledgeable of zero's road helmet range mm. what kind of helmet is it is it like really breezy is it an aero slip streamy one well, they or? say it's a bit aero but i think it's, it's it majors in ventilation more than right. anything very nice and mm. um, what's your gravel Pick. gravel pick is the shimano rx8 gravel specific shoes mm. which i kind of laughed at initially because i'm thinking i mean road, shoe, road right? shoes could cover off most gravel stuff and Ooh. then what a road shoe can't do a cross-country mountain bike yeah. could do so where on earth are these fitting but shimano says it married the lightweight and stiffness of a road shoe with the durability and walkability of a of an off-road shoe in it and i was like oh, all right a bit skeptical <laughs> I don't know what you think about them. But. Uh, I've used them quite a lot, and I, I like them. I, oh, I think they're awesome. I can't say I, I noted any gravel-specific sort of attributes with them, if that makes sense, mm. but I they are very nice shoes. What colour did you go for, Sam? I've got well, I've got both. I've got silver and black. Of course. Wow. Do you yeah. wear one and the other sometimes? No, because be sh- that's a dick move. <laughs> 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 Well, I actually had the prickly pear ones, the kind of or, uh, green to purpley fade ones briefly, but they were too narrow for my horrible uh, bony really? I thought you were about to say they were too I had to give them away. Loud. They're supposed to be um, particularly, well, they suit me. I've got quite wide feet and they're, they're supposed to be on the wider side of things. So uh, you've got like hobbit feet. Have you? Uh, well, full I, hobbit. I, it falling on my sword in the name of cycling journalism, I was putting out my recycling on a Tuesday night. I was crushing up a great big load of cardboard that had come, uh, I think a box, a bike had been delivered. And I rolled my foot crushing some cardboard. I cracked the outside of my uh, foot. And Oof. it's got a big, gross, bony bit. It's quite wide, my horrible hobbit feet now. So I've had to re- go up half size in all of my shoes. Isn't that really? sad? Yeah. That's a strange, sorry tale. <laughs> yeah, that's a real health and safety nightmare for George Scott, our editor-in-chief. <laughs> I had to put that on the risk assessment. <laughs> um, so, yes, that was my... That was my gravel gear of the year pick. Very I good. think they're excellent. I think they do. They do. They do manage. A, they, they're tougher than a regular road shoe, and they've got treads on the bottom, but they're still really light, and they're not they're not too bad as well. They're two hundred quid, so not not three hundred and fifty mm. fifty pounds extravagance. It's pretty. Yeah, it's uh, they're they're pretty pretty reasonable in terms of price as well. On the on the shoe front, 
uh, Jack, I noticed, uh, I recently reviewed the specialised recon lace gravel mm. shoes, uh, and I noticed that you added some much nicer photos. No, I didn't want to upset you, Tom. I, I did reshoot don't some worry, of them. You reshot them. Uh, I get that. Um, you, you also have a pair. Um, what are your thoughts on, well, I mean, there's, there's, that's another sort of gravel shoe in mm-hmm. inverted commas. It comes from the recon, which is a cross country shoe, and as far as I can tell, the difference really seems to be it has laces, which are pretty crap in the mud. Uh, but look nice on a gravel bike. Is that about the only difference? I Yeah, that's pretty much mm. the only difference. I would say I found the same thing as you. They are very, very stiff oh, in the upper at first. murder. They mm. really hurt, like, around, like, um, I don't know what you'd call it, the opening of the shoe, around the sort of r- rim of it was very, very tough mm. at first. But they did sort of break in. And I placed my cleats where I normally would, or, like, what looked like I normally mm-hmm. would, if that makes sense. And you just always forget how much further back they typically are in mm-hmm. special cleats. And I felt like I was pedaling in the middle of my foot at first. <laughs> um, but they are, they're very nice shoes, but they are very expensive. 300 quid, I think. Yeah. That's three quarters of a saddle. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you get two shoes for the same thing. Um, I had the... I gave them a good review because I thought they were good shoes. But yeah. th- that issue is is a, a real issue for the first like two, three months of regular use. Um, I've got the Recon Boas, which are like the real like mountain bikey ones. Um, and I felt the same when I first got those. They were absolute murder to wear for ages. But now, like if I was going to go and head off on like a 10-hour gravel ride, those are the shoes that I'd pick mm. instantly because they're softened up and they are Interesting. beautiful. You should have done like a cowboy and wore them to the into the bath with them on. I, owning not a bath um i guess i could have showered in them mm-hmm. um be a bit weird i don't know what max would think about that my housemate um so we'll move on to simon now he is our senior tech writer uh and he has written about a pair of carbon wheels this is simon von bromley bikeradar.com's senior technical writer my gear of the year for 2021 is prime's 343 carbon rear disc wheel and their black edition 85 carbon front wheel While I didn't get to do as much racing as I'd hoped to this season, the handful of time trials I did with this wheel set were more than enough to thoroughly impress me. The 343 rear disc wheel, for example, is an absolute bargain. Disc wheels are typically very expensive, but at an RRP of £699.99, this is easily one of the most accessible options on the market. I was also surprised by how well the Black Edition 85 front wheel handles, even on gusty days. With a rim this deep, it's obviously a fast wheel, but I have been worried an 85mm front rim would be too unruly for a lightweight rider like me to handle. But I'm happy to report it just hasn't been an issue. At an RRP of £499.99, this wheel is also incredibly cheap, yet feels like it should cost far more than it does. All in all, it's an impressively put together package for the kind of price you might expect to pay for just one wheel from a premium brand. If you want to learn more about those wheels, Simon did talk about them in his Gear of the Year on BikeRadar.com. You can get the full scoop there. Cool. Well, um, I'll, shall I do my, I'll do mine. Yeah, you yeah, do go mine. on. Tom. And I'll segue on to some mount, more mountain bike content because we, we cover both bases. Um, but I'll start with my gravel one. My gravel pick of the year um, was the Gravel Hugger by Mud Hugger. So, mm. you know, Jack's picked his £400 saddle. Sam's picked his £200 shoes. Simon's picked some pretty expensive carbon wheels. I'm going for a £23 piece of injected plastic. Man and of I, the people, Marvin. Man of the people. To go on my Lauf gravel bike. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> um, it's a mudguard. And I think I said in my um, uh, piece on, the, on, on Bike Radar that aesthetically it hasn't improved the look of the Lauf. 
Um, but as I can't see it when I'm riding, I don't really care because uh, it does a really good job. I am a massive, like on mountain bikes, right? People use mud guards a lot of the time now. It's like it's a pretty much done thing. There's good mud guards out there from the likes of Mudhugger, RRP, all that lot. But rear mud guards are not a thing still because they look terrible. But a lot of stuff gets thrown off your back wheel. And I find like gravel rides, I don't go for short gravel rides, I go for long gravel rides. That's all I do on a gravel bike. And Big flex. <laughs> truth um and so I, I i just don't see the point in having like a wet damp bum all the time in the winter um and so the uh the gravel hugger zip ties on i don't have space for full like winter mud guards on my race gravel bike because like some i'm a purist and i want a racy gravel bike um but it zip ties on and it wraps really nicely around the tire around the wheel and it really does just keep you so much drier. Like I think when people go out riding in the wet conditions and they get wet and they think it's just the rain, even though it's a bit of mizzle, it's not. It's stuff coming off the back wheel. It's brilliant. Fair play. Yeah. Mm. There's Very a man who was slagging off uh, bike packing bags a couple of minutes ago, saying that you'll run a mud garden your bike. It's quite a bold uh, <laughs> turnabout face. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I should say I'm a mud guard evangelist on mm. a road bike. I frankly consider most road bikes to be incomplete mm. if they do not have mudguard mounts. So I'm not going to throw shade at you, but you. I do have to point out the um, contradiction in you know, my uh, inconsistencies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. All right, well, let's move on to mountain bikes um, because we all know they're a lot of fun. My my pick of the year is, uh, I felt bad about doing this, but my pick of the year is Maxxis's tyres. And not one specific tyre, but Maxxis's tyre range. Um, and my point is less so go by Maxxis tyres, although it's probably like the safest bet. Um, it's more that good tyres make such a big difference to how good a bike is. Um, I've mentioned on the Bike Rider podcast numerous times my Marin Elroy long-term <laughs> oh, mountain yeah, bike. It. <laughs> and it has been transformed, or it was transformed, or it really worked quite so well because of a really good rear tyre. Um, in the case of uh, the Elroy, it was a Maxxis Asagai double-down Max Grip. Um, so a nice thick casing rear tyre, which really helps damp the, the feel of the bike and just calms everything down. Now, the reason why I like Maxxis tyres is, well, they have a tyre for every situation, pretty much. They've got cross-country race tyres, they've got down-country tyres, they've got trail tyres, enduro tyres, and downhill tyres. They each come with multiple uh, different compounds and casings and all that sort of stuff. And it just means that there is a good tyre for pretty much everything. Um, and the naming structure works. Because I think you've had a rant about this in the past, Jack. A little bit. Yeah, like it does make sense if you can unpick it. You're exposed to bikes every single day and you make, Mm. you know, considerations about bike spec for a job. And I just think to the outside punter, Max's tired naming convention is impenetrable. See, Schwalbe is worse. This is the thing. If you're going to buy mountain bike tires, right, there are lots of good tires out there. So I'm not throwing shade on every other tire manufacturer. But basically, if it was me... The easiest way to, to buy some mountain bike tires is either get Schwalbe ones or Maxxis ones, right? Because you, you know they're going to be good. As long as you're getting like the top models, you know they're going to be good. And I know that the Maxxis tire naming thing is better than Schwalbe's. Can you give me a quick example? Because I'm coming into this with no okay. really knowledge of the, of the naming system. Uh, what what kind of tire would you like? Just a, what the one you like. Okay, the Maxxis. Marin. So the Asagai on the back. Well, yeah. The Asagai is quite a specialist tie, which is only oh, good just, in certain d- areas. Just tell me something um, else then. <laughs> let's go for, no, let's go for, okay, the Maxxis Asagai, um, the one that comes on the Marin is a 2.5-inch WT wide trail, so it's built for wider rims and it's built to be, like, high volume. And that um, affects the actual construction of the tie, uh, correct? Mm-hmm. They, yes, yes, it does, yeah. Um, 
the profile and all that sort of jobs. Um, it comes with a max grip compound, so max grip. They do a max speed, which is like obviously the harder compound for going fast on an XC bike. And they do a max terror, which is like the all round, so mm -hmm. max grip. Um, and then they do the double down comp uh, uh, carcass, which is just below downhill spec, so nice and thick, very stable, compliant. You know, like it's just like very like strong and it's like kind of what you want like it's well damped and everything you could go below that you got xo plus which is one step down from that for like heavier trail bike usage um or xo if you want like a cross-country bike so a bit lighter with some protection or you can go even lighter than that i think silk skin i think for a real cross-country whip tom you're, you're not selling it to me i'm sorry i've <sighs> lost a, i need a table i need a table i need a rest mm. i should say tom was really enthusing about talking about these tires and looked like he was playing a flute or a saxophone <laughs> on the other side of this thing sort of playing playing a big maxis branded saxophone I just it's just like a safe bet um, so that's my pick of the year so let's let's move on let's move on from my tires of choice uh, and uh hear from luke luke marshall is one of our tech writers on mbk and bike radar my pick for 2021 is Michelin's DH34 tires. So while testing a lot of bikes, they come specced with lighter casing tires, often uh, Maxxis XO Plus, for example. Uh, this summer, I managed to try Michelin's DH34 tires out in France, and they blew me away. Uh, the grip, I thought, was unrivaled. The downhill casing um, just damped down the bumps incredibly well. I felt like a different rider on them. There was... No thought about any lines I would struggle to hit. It was just look where you want to go, and they went there. You know, it was a a big surprise over the tires that I normally ride. So um, that's a big pair of downhill tires. I probably wouldn't use those on a trail bike, and I probably wouldn't even use them on an enduro bike. Maybe on the front. But um, Luke is a very fast boy. Yeah, he can do what he wants. He clearly is doing something right because he is absolutely bloody rapid. <laughs> Much more so than me. <laughs> Speaking of someone who's absolutely rapid, um, Alex Evans, who's uh, Sam's mountain bike counterpart on Bike Radar. So he's the mountain bike tech editor on Bike Radar. Hello there, it's Alex Evans, Bike Radar's technical editor. Now I'm here to tell you about my Gear of the Year product for 2021. And although I only just got my feet into these shoes fairly recently and published a four star review at the start of November on Bike Radar, they have to be one of the best products launched for flat pedal riders, period. Grip is spot on thanks to the dotty Stealth Phantom rubber that seems to blend the outright traction of the Impact Pros and the slightly more on-pedal adjustability of the lighter weight Trailcross XT. These are designed around. Their Gore-Tex membrane means they're submersion proof up to the membrane's limit on the ankle. This was proved when I gave them a 20 minute dip during the testing process. And thanks to that high top neoprene collars hook and loop adjustable opening, their fit is secure, but not overly tight. On a British winter ride, having dry, warm feet is revolutionary and can extend a ride beyond the first puddle or stream crossing with vastly improved comfort and enjoyment. And that's where these shoes come into their own. And if, like me, your mood rapidly descends from happy and motivated to sulky and demoralized as soon as you get wet or cold, these shoes are going to keep your serotonin levels elevated whilst you're riding in the depths of winter. However, they're not faultless. Their price and reliance on the rest of your setup to remain waterproof marginally taints their performance, but they're damn close to being near perfect. Arguably, these shoes are a milestone product for flat pedal riders, 
and not just because they're the first fully waterproof flat pedal shoe, but also because they carry out their task of keeping feet dry and warm exceptionally well. And as you'd expect from a 510 product, they offer some of the best flat pedal traction out there. In my opinion, if you're a flat pedal rider and want to have a happy, warm-footed winter, no matter the conditions outside, look no further. These are real gear of the year products. Al is a genuine fast boy. Mm. We're, we're, we're very lucky like in uh, at MBUK and Bike Radar because certainly on the, you know, like on the roadside, I, I don't really know, but like on the mountain bike side, you know, Luke, Rob and Alex have all raced World Cup downhill. Mm. Um, I can the, safely say that the roadside is definitely letting down yeah, the side there. I'm, really I'm not be. a great athlete by any stretch. I um, I haven't kept up appearances on the mountain bike tech side because I've, I've never actually raced a World Cup downhill. Oh, really? Um, you can yeah. be forgiven for that, though, I think. <laughs> I think I could. I think I could. Um, yeah, my, my racing uh, Palmares doesn't extend anything further than pretty crap local races. No, I think you didn't, you didn't you win a hardtail category this oh, year in mean, Enduro. Oh, no. Tom, have you set this up? <laughs> I, I haven't. You? Oh, he's gone as right. <laughs> <laughs> he's gone right red. I, I did win a race this year on the Marinel Roy, which you can read all about on bikeradar.com. Bloody hell. So there we go. All right. Well, um, I think uh, we've just got enough time for Sam to run upstairs, pick up his bag and run to Bristol Temple Meads for his train home. I'm going right now. Um, so, yeah, thank you uh, very much, Sam. And thank you, Jack, for all your contributions to our 2021 Gear of the Year podcast. If you want to hear more about or read more about all of these products and find some lovely little affiliate links, Head to the Bike Radar <laughs> website. That is shameless. That is shameless. Uh, and you can also find a video on all of these things on uh, the Bike Radar YouTube channel. If you go to youtube.com, search for Bike Radar. That's it, mate. find it there. Thank you very much for listening to the Bike Radar podcast this year. We do have a couple more episodes to come out before the end of the year. Uh, we've got a 2022 trends piece that myself, Alex, and Sam recorded about an hour ago. Um, so that'll be coming out. Um, we also have our Warren's Bikes of the Decade series, which is going out every Friday. And we'll be back in the new year every Monday and many Fridays throughout the whole of 2022. Love you, bye. <laughs> Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Bike Radar podcast. If you want any more information on what we've been talking about or more news and views on cycling, check out bikeradar.com. Bye.